for educators, a place where Georgia's K-12 teachers can share proven, substantiated curriculum and instruction techniques, a place where you can discover helpful ways to cultivate a positive classroom, the kind of classroom that shapes students for a lifetime, a place where, all right, all right, stop the track. I'll just say it. I'll just say it. This is going to be that place. Okay. Wow. Welcome to Classroom Conversations, a new podcast series for Georgia teachers brought to you by the Georgia Department of Education in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. This is the platform for Georgia's K-12 teachers. I'm your host, Ashley Mingwasser. Our first few episodes will be positive classroom conversations with teachers. We're about to have some fun of the best variety. Today's conversation will be smart, honest, and teachers, you will love this part. What we discuss will be immediately transferable to your classroom. Yeah, I told you it'd be great. Oh, here at GPB Studios, I've got a couple of patriots with me. That's their school mascot anyway, at Lyman Hall Elementary. Today's teacher feature is a dynamic co-teaching duo. Here to discuss their positive classroom are Jessica Mobley and Carrie Thomas. Welcome, teachers. Hi. Are you excited to be here? So excited. You're yes. beaming from ear to ear. <laughs> I take that as a positive sign. You've definitely got positive classrooms. Well, first things first, I was struck by the fact that your school email signatures feature your personal bitmojis. Have to have the bitmojis. I am now intrigued. So <laughs> could you please tell me what you teach and a little bit about your school's culture? We've got to know more. Yes. Um, Jessica, go ahead. Yeah. I am a third grade teacher at Lyman Hall Elementary. Um, it is a school that is one of a kind. Um, you walk into the doors and you can just feel the love and care from from wall to wall. Um, every teacher is an advocate for our kids, um, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Carrie, you echo those thoughts? Yes, definitely, for sure. Um, so I'm the special ed teacher in her classroom, and I would just like to say Lyman Hall Elementary is the most caring place on earth, and I really do mean that. Like, like she said, you walk in, and it just beams love, and it, it's amazing um, because relationships with our students, that's our top priority. And um, that's across the school and across the district as well. Um, so we teach in an inclusion classroom. And if you don't know what that means, that's just where all students with and without special education services, they are fully involved, they are fully included, and they're all very valuable to our classroom. Well, this isn't a travel show, but now we all need to go there. <laughs> so thank you for that pitch. All right, moving into our discussion, I want to talk about the year 2020. We all remember it pretty unfondly. Uh, much like me attempting a backbend over the age of 30. I know that for you teachers, teaching during the pandemic was a true challenge. So can you share some of the difficulties you faced? Yes, of course. So um, when the pandemic hit, um, we were in a frenzy. We did not know what to do. Um, and we were all learning, building each day as educators. And we had to come together to figure out the best solution for our students. And I'm sure through every school, each solution looked different based on the the kids and the kids' needs. Um, but for our school, in my experience, it was looking at each child and thinking about what each individual family is going through through this crisis. Um, and 
every time we had the chance to talk to them on Zoom or whether it was whether they're home or the babysitters in a car, it was building those emotions and supporting them through what they were going through was the m- most important thing. And giving them a sense of normalcy when things are not normal. Um, so playing a game, keeping things lighthearted and just letting them know that we love them and we are there for them with whatever they need. Um, I think that was the biggest thing through all of this. Um, is to let our kids know that we care about their well-being as as well as, you know, school. Yeah. What hurdles did you have to get over, Carrie, with special education? Yeah. So we were definitely um, making up for the loss of academic time and um, for that social growth over the past, you know, two years of this. Um, things like reading together weren't happening and sharing and developing empathy and interacting with others and um, making friends, problem solving, regulating emotions, those things that happen in the classroom, we weren't able to do that. Um, so like Jess said, we were just you know, trying to provide those opportunities um, where they did get to do those normal things in the classroom. Um, and so we just realized how important it was to look at the whole child, the everything whole child. that they're going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're adults. I don't mm-hmm. know about you guys, but some of my skills were compromised during mm-hmm. the pandemic, too. Yes. Got to start with a stronger baseline. Well, you teachers did what you do best. You got them over it. You mm-hmm. adapted to make the learning happen for your students because that's what teachers do. So tell me some of the solutions that worked for virtual learning. You want to go first, Carrie? Yeah. So, um, like I said, we started really looking at the whole child, um, not just grade level expectations, but also all aspects of students and teachers, <laughs> our life, because it had changed. Um, so, just as always, academics matter, but we just made sure that our students' well-being, it came first. Um, and so, we we taught a lot about feelings and about emotions and what to do with them with this big change that happened in all of our lives. Yeah, and this has taught us that kids, I mean, even before the pandemic, making relationships and building your classroom environment is huge. Before you can have a kid trust and learn from you, you need to have a relationship with them. But after this, students' emotional needs, um, they're all coming from different places through this crisis and this pandemic, different things happened. And their um, their emotional levels are all fluctuated. And so when they enter the classroom, it is so important for us as educators to meet them where they are and to meet their needs and to guide them through every second of the day, talk, um, modeling, um, having conversations with each other and role-playing and guiding emotions and and teaching them how that their feelings are okay and their feelings are valid. Um, And that I think is so important after this pandemic. It has taught us that kids' emotions are important and they are valued. And we need to make sure that they are aware of that before academics can be taught. You affirmed that for them. Yes. Feelings matter. Feelings matter. Okay. Well, today we're talking about your positive classroom. I can already tell it's really positive based on knowing you two. So we're curious to hear how you've shifted back to in-person learning. So tell me how you've established a positive classroom climate. Carrie? 
So we really built on relationships, like we said, um, with each individual student. So, yes, we built a classroom that felt like family, but we also got to know each student's story because we knew that they had experienced something um, hard. And they each come into our classroom with different backgrounds, different experiences. And so we really built on those experiences, those strengths. Um, and what we really aim to do um, every single day is to make sure that our kids leave our classroom knowing that they matter, um, that they're important, they're loved, and that they bring things to our classroom and our world that no one else can. And so we try to do that every single day. So inspiring. Jessica? Yes. Um, having kids walk into their classroom and feel like they are a part of the classroom is huge. Um, letting kids have ownership of where they are, um, letting them make decisions. And sometimes they don't know how to make decisions because they've never been guided they've never to make. Been, they've never been empowered to do it. They've never been empowered to do it. So yeah. teaching them that empowerment is huge. Um, giving them opportunities to make decisions and teach them what that thinking is like. So what I'll do is a lot of times in the classroom is I'll say, okay, let's listen to how Miss Mobley's thinking rolls through this. And I will explain my thinking and then I will ask them, well, how would you think about it? And giving kids the chance to talk and have ownership, have goals, um, set, you know, academic goals as well as social emotional goals is huge. I mean, you are giving kids the skills that they need that are going to last them a lifetime. And so when they come back into the classroom from something like this, we have to, we have to just wrap, we have to give them the opportunity to figure it out. Um, and give them the opportunity to fail and learn how to fail and what that feels like, you know? Yeah. Give me another note on that because we talked about that before about how important failing is. Oh, Can I just get a little mm -hmm. tidbit. Of course. So um, at the beginning of the year, I asked my students, I say, what do you what do you think I'm going to say to you when you make a mistake? And their eyes get really big and they're like, oh, gosh, I you made a know. mistake. <laughs> I made a mistake. You're going to tell me to do better. You're going to tell me to try harder. And I say, no. I'm going to tell you, great job. And I remember one of the students in my class, Carrie, was sitting there. He said, man, I'm going to have to get used to that. <laughs> and I said, well, yes. But, and why do you think I'm going to tell you that? And I said, so give me a, give me a raise of hands. Is Miss Mobley perfect? And, of course, they're like, yes, you're perfect. I and, love this fan club of yours. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yes, okay. Well, guess what? I'm not. I make mistakes every single day. And mistakes are a good thing. And how we, how we make it through our mistakes is how we are going to make ourselves better. And so um, I think Ms. Thomas was in our classroom the other day, and I was reading a word problem. And I always tell them, don't start working your word problem out until the the question, you've read the question fully. And I saw her over on her whiteboard, and she <laughs> starts working it out, and she hasn't read her question fully. And I said, stop. I said, Ms. Thomas. You made a mistake, and I love that you made that mistake. Let's learn from Ms. Thomas's mistake. Um, and so giving them those real-life opportunities to see that we, we're not perfect and our feelings are validated. Is this story true, Ms. Thomas? Yes. It was <laughs> funny. As soon as I started doing this, my group, so I was actually on one of, one of the teams, and they're looking at me, and they're like, <laughs> and it's so funny because we are, it's like a family. So, you know, whenever we are, you know, maybe not good at something or we missed, we missed a direction or we, you know, we're just working as a team to figure it out. So we figured out, okay, we have to listen to the whole question 
and then we can start working. So it was it was good to show them that we also make mistakes. We're not too. perfect. Right. And you yeah. made it collaborative. Yeah. Of course. I'm sure they'll remember that forever. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's discuss Project AWARE, the federal grant. So for our listeners, AWARE is an acronym. It stands for Advancing Wellness and Resilience in Education. Uh, here's a little summary from the Georgia Department of Education website. The purpose of Georgia Project AWARE is to increase awareness of mental health issues among school-aged youth, provide training in youth mental health first aid, and connect children, youth, and families who may have behavioral health issues with the appropriate services. So that's AWARE for you. How have you seen Project AWARE and the Project AWARE grant increase mental health services at your school? Jessica, you want to take this one first? Yes. Um, our county, Hall County, did a huge um, district-wide um, mental and healthcare awareness training for our whole district. And it gave lots of examples of how kids may be feeling during this time and strategies that educators can use to um, support them during this, um, because that's huge. Also at our school, our whole school is involved in supporting each other because we have to we have to work together. I mean, as educators, we have to band together, and in order to support our children, um, and then giving opportunities for families to let us know what they need and how we can support them through this time. Carrie, so like we said, the school and district um, has prioritized those relationships. So even um, in our school, we have a wellness team where we check in on each other, how we're doing, what we need. If somebody's going through, you know, even something personal, like, you know, they lost a family member or, you know, anything like that, we're there for each other at the school, as well as um, just learning about those signs of trauma and those skills mm. um, to tackle those, you know, those issues that we're seeing at the school level. Um, that was something I had never really experienced before in such a real way. And so those skills, we're using those every day. We didn't know, you know, when we got this training that it would be so impactful for us, but we're, you know, we're seeing it and using it every single day. Can you give me just a couple examples? What are some of the signs of trauma they tell you yes. about? How do you um, identify? Well, I can give you a, an in-class example. Please. So there's a student who was upset about a problem that they got wrong um, and they immediately hood overhead face down, defeated, shut off, completely turned off. And so then it becomes, I need to have a conversation. How are you feeling? What, what made you feel that way? And how can we, what strategies can we use to help you right now? And they will, and we use, um, we'll talk about that in just a second, but zones of regulation. So we talk oh. about how our feelings, um, and, and, and students, because We've gone through this. They don't know how they're feeling. And feelings turn into emotions. They turn into behaviors. They turn into all, Beliefs, eventually. all these things yeah. that if we are not facilitators of emotions and helping students understand what they're feeling, then, you know, we just have to do it. Yeah. We have to. Anything so important. To Anything to add to that, Carrie? I agree. We see it. We see it a lot, actually, um, even in just little ways with things that, you know, you wouldn't think would bother a, a student or um, just triggers that are 
more apparent now that we've went through this. It's just so important that they understand how to express those things. Dare I say aware has made you aware. Aware. Oh, oh yeah. I think that was the intention mm-hmm. of it. Wonderful. Well, we three have something in common. Um, I don't know if you know this. I asked you a little bit about this yesterday, but all three of us are millennials. Yeah. <laughs> I promise this is relevant. Please no one roll your eyes. But millennials are generally skeptical about something, anything, until we've read the rave reviews and then we're on board which makes me think this really works because you have such positive things to say. So let's share some positive classroom standout moments. Mm-hmm. How How is this approach working for you? If you can each give me one story, who would like to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead, Jessica. Yes. So um, there, like I said, feelings and emotions can come out in each individual and it can look different for every individual. And so um, I have a student in mind that... Um, Their feelings and emotions were coming out as if you were overlooked, if you were to overlook and just see this child, it might look as a behavior concern. Um, The student might have, you know, behavior, need to be put on a behavior plan or or whatnot. Um, But every year I emphasize on relationships. So I pulled the student aside and I said, you know, tell me how you're feeling. What does it look like when you get off the bus? You know, I just showed that I care and want to know more about you. And he immediate this this child immediately broke into tears um, mm. because he knew I was asking and was in, invested in him. And when he shared his experiences and he shared what he had been through, then I can go back and reflect and say, and I can guide him in a way that is going to support him through his educational career. And I can put implementations in place for him to support him. And having him be in control of that and talk it out with me and not me just tell him what he's going to do because of his feelings, that is powerful. How did that change him in the classroom after that? He was a different kid, completely different. Um, This student is not, he has moved on. He's no longer in my class. And every morning I see him Every single morning, he's coming to see me um, and tell me to have a great day. So those everlasting relationships, and I tell my students, I am am not just your third grade teacher. I will be your teacher until you graduate school if there's anything that you need. Um, But just them knowing that I am there to support them and validate them and hear them, um, that is, that's our, that's our goal. Powerful. Carrie, Mm -hmm. tell me your story. So I came into Lyman Hall last year, and I was a brand new teacher, and um, I walked into a situation where um, there was a student who was struggling expressing his emotions, and a lot it, it brought a lot of fear um, to those around him because it came out maybe through anger, even if he was feeling really sad, it would look you know, like rage, or if he was feeling happy, he may even seem upset because he didn't quite know how to express that. Um, So because of that, he was pulled out of his classroom a lot into a separate classroom where we could, you know, better meet his needs um, because we felt like that was what was best for him at that time. But what me and Jessica started to see is that he is a kid who is always pulled out away from his peers. He is always in trouble. Um, he is mad at the world because of this, because mm-hmm. that that's hurtful. You know, if that happened to any of us, like that would really hurt. Um, so 
he just felt so misunderstood. And so what what we did is we just invested, like we said, in relationship with him. And it took time because his guard was up. You know, this wasn't normal for him. He didn't have many friends. He didn't have a lot of relationships with teachers because it was hard to build a relationship with it was, him. It was him against the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He was he was just fighting really to survive at this point. And um, what we did is just took that time. I mean, it was weeks of just showing up for him every day. You know, it became almost my motivation every morning. I was like, <laughs> I got to go see him. You know, I can't wait. And um, what that did for him, though, is it gave him a chance to have a relationship. And that obviously taught him skills um, for communicating, for building a relationship, what that requires, um, coping mechanisms coping mechanisms to better handle um, situations he faced. And ultimately, what we did is we pushed him back into the classroom with his peers. And he was able to see that, like, I'm a part of this family, this class. And these people care about me. My teachers care about me. My friends care about me. Um, It was really a lifelong lesson, I think, for everyone in that classroom, because we got to learn that, you know, we're all different. And Um, We express things differently, but we can work together to figure things out. And he got to experience that really, I think, successfully for the first time. And it was just really beautiful to see that change in him. And really, it changed us as well. So It changed me, too. I'm only (laughs) hearing about this for the first time. Well, you're teaching young learners. It's what you're called to do. It's what you go to school to do every day. But as you told us during this episode, they're young people, too, young individuals with complex backgrounds and lives. So tell us why the positive classroom climate is so important to these young people. Well, learning cannot take place unless we have a positive classroom climate. Um, And when you think about your day, you may have all of these things planned, you know, in math and reading and writing, and something may come up where you have to stop and have a conversation about that skill and about those um, emotions and building those relationships with kids. Um, For an example, um, in math, if we're teaching and I want kids to work in a small group, I need to model for them what that looks like. And I need to give examples that may not happen, but if they do happen, how do we, how do we handle those? How do we, um, you know, navigate through our feelings and our emotions. Um, But developing a positive classroom, it gives kids an opportunity to learn um, and it makes them feel more comfortable and sets them up for success. It sets them up for success. Thank you. Carrie? Um, We've seen, especially in our classroom, just, you know, you obviously hear as you're going through college and you're learning about how to be a teacher, you hear about how important the climate is and how, you know, it, it bridges that gap and, you know, the connections you build help your students learn from you. But we have actually really seen it in real life that, um, you know, when we set them up in that positive classroom environment, that the academics follow. Um, so as their skills, their emotional, their um, social, those skills increase and we're looking at their well-being as that all increases, we've seen that their academic skills can increase as well. So, for example, if we get to a math problem and it's long division and, you know, they're in third grade, (laughs) you look at that. I mean, I look at that and that's hard. That's a challenge. Get an immediate headache. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, once they've developed those skills to face challenges, 
you know, through this growth mindset and not um, not this mindset of like, I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm going to shut down. But no, I can do this. I have the skills. I can I can take 10, 10 deep breaths right now and think about the last time I overcame a challenge and how it made me feel. And I can figure this out. And we work together to do that. So we see that these skills, they're just as important as those academics. They're just a lot harder to measure. Because like in math, I mean, I can, you know, give you a test and figure out if you know all your math facts or, you know, I can test your ability to read. But these are a little bit harder to to assess, but they're so, so important. Well, you're looking for the well-being of the student. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you're doing is working. So before we go, who doesn't love a hot tip? Oh, yes. <laughs> what can teachers listening to this podcast do starting today to improve their classroom climate? Who wants mm -hmm. to go with the first tip? I'll go. Um, we have our county has made a color wheel, an emotional color wheel, and you can find several of these. But um, having kids come in and um, pin how they are feeling for that day gives me an opportunity to see what's going on and have a daily check in. Um, also, having students feel like their classroom is theirs, posting their pictures up on the wall. I love to take these little pictures at recess and then cut, print them out and cut them out and post them all around the classroom. Um, that lets kids feel a part of their classroom. Um, and then also uh, letting kids set goals. I have a huge area where it's just goal setters um, and it's not all about academics and letting kids pick their own goals is huge. Like a vision board for like goals? Like a vision board for goals, yes. And they see it and they're working toward it. And then we have this awesome tool called Flipgrid that allows kids to video themselves. And what kid nowadays doesn't love to video themselves? Oh, yeah. And so having them go on and say their goal and how they're going to meet that goal and reflect on that goal, and then they get to go pick a new goal once they have met it. But giving a student the power to say, I've met that goal and here's why, that's huge. Brilliant. I'm writing these down as just general life <laughs> advice. Go ahead, Carrie. So something that's really worked um, for me is teaching feelings through modeling and coaching. So we talked about this a lot, but practically what it can look like. Um, we use a tool called Zones of Regulation, and um, it puts different feelings into um, concrete colored zones. So there's a green zone, and that's when you're feeling really happy. You know, you're ready to learn. You're, you know, you're in a really good spot. And then there, there's a blue zone that is, you know, if you may be feeling sad or a little sleepy or things like that. And so there's four zones, and um, it just helps them to say how they're feeling. You know, like we said, they're young, so it's hard to verbalize that. But when you make these connections with these colors and also within this um, zones of regulation teaching, we also give them skills. So if I'm in the red zone, which means, you know, I may be angry or frustrated or defeated, I can do this to get out. So for example, I may, you know, walk to get get some water, take a break, just take a breather. And so it teaches kids not only to identify, you know, how they're feeling, but also what can I do with how I'm feeling, which really just changes how they operate at school and at and home in life. and in life. Yeah. So it's, it's really great because it's so concrete. Jessica Mobley, 
Carrie Thomas, teachers from Lyman Hall Elementary. Thank you for sharing your triumphant stories with our audience. You guys are iconic. Please stick around for autographs. Yes, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you you for being here. I'm Ashley Mingwasser. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. And in case you need this reminder today, you're a great teacher. Goodbye for now.